1: How do you do, we are the boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of The Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender.
0: And I'm Zachary Adam
1: And yes, the gang's got back together. We lured Steve back to the show. On the premise that the White Caps were playing some good football, and <laughs> I'm sorry, Steve, that your first show back has to talk about what must be a terrible day for you as a White Caps <laughs> and Manchester United supporter. Oh no, no, I'm done. I'm actually done with Manchester United
2: officially.
1: I'm if, 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 if Manch- United now.
2: I and, and it and and honestly, I barely watched their matches last year at all and this today was not even today like i was it was just a matter of time that I, like i have an app where it updates me on goals and everything like that and i just unfollowed it actually starting yesterday luckily for today i'm yeah. officially done like i actually i don't know i don't think i'll be supporting anybody in england at all going forward no, not even fc united of
1: manchester maybe i'll do
2: that maybe i'll do them i I've, i think i've almost bought one of their kits one time but i yeah. I ended up not doing because the shipping costs were horrendous, but yeah. What am I going to do with I, all I honestly these United magnum- like, gifts I...
1: I've bought you for Christmas?
2: <laughs> it's like a, it's it's a sad thing because I was thinking today, it's like all the way from Eric Cant- uh, Cantona to now, is basically done. Uh, like, mm-hmm. it was good times though. 99, I, the sidekick, the stuff like that. It was good. Yeah,
1: I I was going to ask what you felt was the worst defensive performance that you saw today—the first half from Man United or the first half of the Whitecaps? No, I I I couldn't tell you because I didn't watch
2: the Man United.
1: I found out afterwards what happened. Oh, you're you should watch it. It's hilarious. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Man United. We're here to talk Vancouver Whitecaps, and and it's only going to be in two parts. And it, it's on the pitch, off the pitch. White caps related chat for this episode. We're gonna look at the debacle that was that that performance in LA. Although there were some some positives I, I guess that we can take out of it if we're trying to I know, Zach's making faces here, uh, I wish, wish everyone could see this. I'm trying to grasp some straws out of this, but th- there was a couple of little little positives to take out of it. So we're going to look at that in part one, the lie of the land, and have a discussion about some players and some interesting little tidbits that's going around at the moment. And in part two, we're going to turn our attentions to the off-the-pitch aspects of the White Cats, because at long last... The report has been issued by Major League Soccer into the abuse allegations that were levelled at the club from 2008 and 2011, the Berada and Busby era of the, the women's team. So we'll delve into that, some of the stuff that the report says as well. We'll have a little bit of music, of course, with wavelength and uh, just some fun chat in there as well. But let's kick things off. I've I've gone for my... My headline for my match report tonight was "Calamitous Caps Capitulate in the City of Angels." That was written at half time, and it was a much better second half performance. But a five-two overall loss. I mean, I, I guess you could say they drew the second half. There's one of the, the positives I'll get in right away. So we'll we'll get Steve's. Overall thoughts in a sec. Because I also want to ask him about just what he's thought of the last few weeks because he hasn't been here. So let's start with you for this one, Zach. Overall thoughts from this game. Coming off the back of what was such a a fighting performance last week against Houston, this was just unexpected.
0: It was unexpected.
1: I I think in our our last
0: show, I think... I predicted that they would lose but i didn't see it happening in this fashion at all like uh, it was it was like what's he said it was like a perfect storm of of errors of mishaps of of poor play and poor defending um that really just uh, i think you know it was like a gut punch for them in the first half that you know meant that really there was not much to play for in the second half even with the tremendous fighting spirit that they've shown, uh, you know, this season and at the end of last season.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think, it, I was gonna say, I don't think anyone really expected that performance in the in the first half from them, especially with the form that LA had been in. Lost five of their last six, although they have been much better at home. But in saying that, I mean, we've talked about this on, on recent shows, Zach, a lot, that, It's felt that if a team took their chances in the first half, the comeback kings would not be the comeback kings because it would be game over by halftime. Totally, yeah.
0: Actually, to be fair, yeah. There's been a number of games that have felt like this from Vancouver in the first half, but the team has failed to be clinical in front of goal, which the LA Galaxy uh, did the exact opposite of today. They were quite clinical. They took their opportunities, and they put the game to bed by halftime.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So, Steve, you, you've not been able to be on the show for the, the last couple of weeks. We're glad to have you back. The listeners will be as well. I'm sorry that this was your first game back to talk about, but in, in the grand scheme of things, from what you've seen from, from the team over the last few weeks and all these fighting performances and then what you saw on the pitch down in, in Carson tonight, just what's your overall thoughts coming out of this one? The
2: thing is the fighting
1: performances are
2: like Zach's, like basically the fighting performances come because of poor initial performances, like not getting off the good starts. They had to put that in in order to get back into games. And I think that's what I've seen over the last little bit. Um, I think the Canadian championship game, I'll I'll talk about that a little bit. Hmm. That was more of a a strategic way to play TFC. Um, So I don't see that as really like, but every game since then, and almost like right now, and I'm I'm concerned that you know a lot of people say oh you win a championship and you're you lift up or something like that. Sometimes that can be negative where you think you you've done really well, so you kind of get rest on your laurels too. And I've and yes, a lot of the you know the people being out and everything, and obviously Cavallini being out today, uh, not having like a I think this is maybe fifth choice striker at the t- uh, that, that was up at starting mm-hmm. or whatever, uh, you know, basically. Yeah, fifth choice. Zach's c- counting right now. Uh, you got Cavallini, White, um, Ricketts, and then Beecher, and then Orniger or whatever his name is. So, the, the, so I I feel like it's was, it was, it, and and so the lineup too today. I I understand that this kid's been very strong in you know at the Whitecaps too to start off his thing, but. I don't know why you don't, uh, unless there's an injury issue, why is Dahomey like I would rather have him starting yeah. up top than, and then that's having exactly a, for me, is then well. having somebody that like is like, a, a, I can understand Rick is probably you don't want to, you know, play him too many 90 minute games. You already did it maybe once or twice, but Dahomey would have been a perfect place player to play up top. It would have given him a different look.
1: Yeah. I mean, let, let's get into to the lineup. And obviously, hindsight is a, a great thing when you're coming off the back of a defeat, but. Easton Ngaro, he's only been at the club for six weeks. Now, we know what he's done in the CPL, and he's got goals. When he finished up at Edmonton, he was the league's all-time leading scorer, and that was on a very bad team. So when he got the call-up, we spoke about this on last week's show, I, I thought it was on the cards. What I don't understand is, like, Simon Beecher and Ali Ahmed were both excellent when they came on last week. Now, I know you're limited in how many call ups you can give them, and Ahmed's already had two, but Beach has only had one. So, why would you not reward the player that got the goal last week by calling him up again, a- along with Easton Ongaro? So, I- I've no problems with that. I, I-, I said Ongaro should get a call up. Three goals and three starts. Last week in the show, we'd said it was four and three. Because that's what MLS Next Pro's website had initially got. But then there wasn't actually a stream. So it turned out he didn't get the goal last week. So it was three and three. But the poor the poor kid was just ploughing a lone furrow up there. He had no support. He wasn't getting the ball. And I don't know, Zach, if the plan was, let's try and see out the first half. Let's use Ungaro as a good hold-up man. Because we know that he is... Basically, a, a good hold-up man. Um, and then try and go for it in the second half, bring Ricketts in off the bench. But again, Ricketts had a good thing last week. So if you're not going to go with Ricketts, I agree with Steve. I would have had the homie starting because we know what he can do up front. Him up top with Vite and Gold behind him, that would have been an exciting front three.
0: To be honest, I, I, I think you guys make great points. But I, I didn't actually... Coming into the, you know, coming into the game and seeing the lineup, I didn't actually think it was that bad of a, I didn't think that part of the starting up was that bad of an idea. And I, and, and I'm biased because I, I like Easton Nguera a little bit. I think he's uh, shed that, you know, tractor boy vibe from him. You know, he's been away from Everton long enough. Um, And uh, no, I think there's great potential in him. And I think. His uh, they wanted him, I think, like you said, because of his size and his ability to maybe bring others in, into the game and also potential for poaching uh, a
1: goal or a goal or two. Uh, to do I, that though, you have to get the ball to him,
0: yeah. Oh, ex- well, exactly. So, I was watching the game tonight, uh, at an establishment um, that doesn't sponsor the show, so I won't say what the establishment was, but yep. uh, with uh, John Humphreys and, and Karen Krull, and um, I mean, we were just amazed at how little they did to get him the ball, period, yep. but also to play it to him in the air, like even on their set pieces, they weren't like looking for him. I don't know, they were trying to decoy him or like-
1: it,
0: it, it, he, it, He's 6'5", he's the one thing we've been crying out for, exactly, a tall striker. Exactly, so it felt like that That was bad. But if you want to talk about the starting lineup, I mean, uh, I agree with you, if you're going to reward these players and you know, Michael, yeah, the limit, I don't know, the limit, is it the limit three? I don't know what the limit is. I think them. it's four. Yeah, so I guess you don't want to use that up because you might need them further down. But I think you can't, you can no longer start um, this back three together the rest yeah. of the way.
1: I well, think... let's look at the other change because there's three changes overall. So Kubis was in, yeah. great, want Kubis in. So the other one, and again, hindsight's a great thing, but we have spoken about this a lot. How does Jake Norwinski get the start over Tristan, Tristan Blackman? Blackman, one of the best defenders in the Western Conference. And Jake Nowinski starts as a left-sided centre-back in a back three when we all know he's a right-sided full-back.
2: Yeah. Like, at, a, this, back at this line. point, it needs to be Blackman and Veselinovic definite, and you could swap around Brown and Nowinski if you wish. Yeah. Like, that's the two I, I Blackman, at this point, does not need rest. I think he's going to would be good to go. Well, obviously, the, they they have their own like you know medical people that can tell if the guy needs a rest or not. But for me, like he came on at halftime, I believe, right? Yeah. Then Backman. So if you're good to go halftime, then you should be good to go ninety minutes for a center back.
1: Yeah, and what a costly forty-five minutes that he didn't play. Because let, let's get into the game now, and we, we won't delve too much into it apart from the goals. Um, but, I mean, it started brightly enough for the White Cats because they had the first kind of opportunity six minutes in when Ryan Raposo sends a great ball in from the left, Gressel's opening the box at the back post, blasts it yeah. wide. He'd have been offside, I think, uh, on review anyway. But it's like, oh, gives you a bit of hope. It's like, okay, they, they've maybe got the the beating of this Galaxy backline. And then after that, LA took over. Tenth minute, Cropper g- gets a, a good save um, off Cabral. And then they just absolutely took over. Twelfth minute, the first goal. The, there's so much in this goal that angers me. And the first thing is, the ball gets played in the, the Whitecaps half. Jake Nierwinski, horrible control. The ball goes under him. And it frees up Cabral. He's who's, who's then... Plays the ball in to Grand Seer, who finishes. So that's the first thing that annoyed me. What are you going to say there, Zach?
0: Well, no, this goes into what you you were just talking about. You have Jake Nowinski, who is by far the weakest link on the entire team, playing in a position where he's playing left center back. And the reason why, part of the reason why I believe he messes up that play is because he goes to play the ball with his right foot. If, I, if I'm not correct, if I'm...
2: I did not, look that looked, way. Yeah. He looked very awkward in trying to get that ball.
0: When when you should be playing that ball with your left foot. and But for him, when that's his weaker he foot. So yeah. He goes with his stronger leg. And I think that adds to the reason why, or that's a part of the reason why he made the error. Um And that, I mean, that can't happen at this level.
1: No. I mean, as bad it, as that was, for me, the worst part of this is the space... grand seer has that there's a bit you could draw an absolute massive radius around him when he first appears on the screen and there's not a whitecaps player in sight and he just got all the space all the time to run into the box the ball comes down and he buries it at this level at any pro level you cannot defend like that
0: but michael that comes back to they all stopped because they thought jake had the ball Because that honestly, that
2: wasn't easy. That's as very should be a very like elementary, like basically take the ball. If you want to send it into the you know off the sideline into into touch, you could do that. You can control it, clear it. You're 100% right, Zach. I was just like, I just wanted to check the replay one more time. He tried to play it with his right foot when the left foot is the natural foot to play it with. And even if you're right footed or left footed. You should be playing it with your left foot. Like, yes. there, that, thats just a common thing. It's not like, uh, like, you know, grabbing, like, playing. I don't know some other sport where you're using your right hand over yeah. your left hand. This is if you want to is, play at
1: this level, you have to yeah. be able to play the ball with both feet.
2: It, it was very, it's very awkward, and and 100 that you're you're most likely right. People do switch off when it looks like an easy clearance, and that's probably what
0: happened there. And the LA Galaxy player just kept going or something. And, like yeah, Mike, and the whole the whole team stops. Like you can see, there's this. They're like oh, the ball's coming there, and they're like, okay. Yeah, and oh then, no. And, yeah, no. That's where he gets his space. Yep. That you could see. Yeah, people were like kind of getting ready to transition
2: back into an attacking formation yeah. uh, and, and also, also because Brown's
1: pulled into the middle, and then yeah. Gressel's up the field. Yep. Gressel's up the field, and Brown. Yeah, Brown. The,
0: Brown. The one thing you could say, okay, Brown could have maybe analyzed the situation quicker and and made his run wider to pick up Granzier, but. I think that's hard. I think it's harsh on Brown.
2: Essentially, the lesson to be learned for the other defenders is not to trust Jake Norrisky when he's on the field. Yeah, I I think always like, put, put, always act like you're in a defensive position if he's going to play like that
1: on that yeah, left side. If the ball is coming to him, run back because just to be on the safe side. It it was so disappointing a goal to give up, as was the second one, and I mean I I feel for Ranko. It's a penalty. There's no doubt that it's a penalty. I mean, the ball comes in and I think he tries to chest it, but it just goes by his chest and then hits his arm, which is out. Now, I think it's hard for a defender to pull your arm away. I know the commentators were saying, oh, you should be able to pull the arm away there. But I mean, it it was a penalty. It was was tough on him. It was tough on the Whitecaps. It was the right decision. It, to definitely wasn't, that
2: point. it definitely wasn't Cellini-esque where he was uh, uh, <laughs> just like batting it all around. It was, it was, it was definitely, uh, he didn't mean to do it for sure. Yeah,
0: and, and you could see
1: you could see in his body language, he knew what he had done. Yeah. And the, the referee, totally unsighted by that, so I mean, that's what S- VAR is there for.
0: Canadian Silvio Petrescu.
1: I'm not a fan of at the best of times, <laughs> I've got to say, and we will come to some of his later decisions as well, but Chicharito with the Panenka. I I hate that, but it was a nice little finish.
0: I I think John was like, it's going over, and I was like, it's going
1: over, Cropper, into the middle of the net. It seemed to take forever to land in the back of the net. I will say that. So, I mean, already 2-0 down, and we were messaging, and it's like, ah, they can still get back into this. We've seen them turn around these deficits. They're a good second-half team. They nearly went three down. 't remember who it was in the 27th minute they had a, a header over and then I, in the I could sorry I could just imagine you guys
2: like watching this and like like there was a sh- the com- comedic movie and there, something was still going oh maybe it was the Simpsons or something like that and there was like a um you know that pig was flying through the roast pig and it was flying it in Holary kept saying it's still good it's still good <laughs> like we still have a chance we still have a chance.
1: Yeah, but that's the thing with this team though this year it's like they still make you believe they can get back into it yeah can we talk about that
0: uh i think the header you're talking about in the in the 27th minute
1: yeah one of the things that was
0: horrible like really really awful in that first half was how deep they set up the back on, line. on free kicks on on yeah. the yeah the They dropped so deep. They were almost like on top of Cropper. It was like they just said, oh, we need a line. Uh, They were a little above the six-yard box, but it was like, what are they doing? They they needed to be like push them as as far up as they could. It was so – and it happened like three or four times, and we were sitting there going like, why are they giving such a deep line? And it was weird because that corner – or sorry, that free kick – the header didn't come off of the ball being put in the net. LA had some set plays that they'd been working on and they worked it around to the side and then put it in the middle and uh, the glancing header went wide. But
1: yeah, Koulibaly, but he, Koulibaly. and it's like, he rises unchallenged, which ha- happens so much when the ball yeah. comes in the white cat's but, box.
0: Vanny and the coaches, I, I I don't know if there's some tactical reason they're doing that, but I think that needs to be looked at because it, it looks like you're asking for trouble you know uh, like just in general, if they keep on doing that, like it, it seems, it seems strange. Well,
1: there's a lot of things that they're doing defensively that seems like they're, they're asking for trouble. And like it was 3-0 on the half-hour mark. It was a nice little one-two between Vasquez and Chicharito and then a great finish from Vasquez from about 22 yards out. But again, he's got time to to get the ball, do a one-two, make room for the shot and get a shot off.
0: Yeah, Vasquez is a very good player. Forget how old he is. It's not you, the first time he scored
2: like that from when with so much space too. I think.
0: Yeah, he, yeah, he just he kind of had a lot of freedom to do what he wanted. In midfield, a lot of picking up the ball and turning before he's passing. Like they, they did not def, did not defend him. I don't think really well on the night as a whole. Well, and that that shot was just it was quality. He's well, thirty five now.
2: Also, also, <laughs> if we want to continue the Jake Nurisky piling on. Uh, oh, Jake yeah. had him yep. at the sideline initially. Yep. And then when he came back, he did the it, old. It wasn't. He did cool the old. He. he did the old. When the shot was taken, he did the old uh, like move sideways to make you the not the widest, but the thinnest possible. So the ball could get by you with block. Yeah, it wasn't. Cool. cool. It,
0: it wasn't uh, Vasquez that he had, but it was the guy who passed the Vasquez. Oh, right. Oh, right. Totally, right. Yeah. Totally waltzed by Norinsky, And again, yep. made made him look foolish.
1: Yep. So it's three now. Half an hour gone, and you're starting to think. they good. LAFC it's still good. In? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> thinking it's still good by this point. I've got to say, I was thinking, is this actually the black and gold LA side that's yeah. turned out? Yeah, yeah, that's, I remember messaging you guys that like, is is this uh, LAFC in disguise? <laughs> we've we've had some thrashings down in LA in recent years, but it has mostly been in the the black and gold side of things. And I was worried at this point. I, I wasn't confident, Steve, that it was all going to be okay. I thought things were going to get out of hand and pretty quickly. But then up pops the wee Scotsman to make it three-one. And I've got to say, Route One football, yes, which I am a fan of. I know folks say it's ugly and it's well, it's not how football should be played, but it's very effective. It go looked like of, with the assist.
0: Looked like one of the few times that they were trying to hit hit Garrow and it it didn't go to him. And then Gressel uh, or no Gressel, sorry, Gould, um, again, or for the first time maybe in the game, made
1: LA look foolish at the back. Yeah, I mean he did he did really well on the goal. Did everything right, Steve. It was horrible LA defending in this occasion. Yeah, yeah, no,
2: it was like it, sometimes you have to do those. Like I'm not a huge fan of that kind of play, but it, if, by doing that once in a while, you soften up the midfield and keep the back line guessing and so they can't play up too top too much. And and I think that works. But I didn't expect Cropper to be the one sending the ball out there.
1: It was, yeah. a, it
2: was a very well-weighted ball and just like in a perfect spot. And Gall did perfectly to pick it up and just slot it home.
1: I, I genuinely do think Route 1 has a, a role to play in, in the modern game. And I, obviously I've grown up with lower league Scottish football, but it's common... And watching Wimbledon back in the Crazy Gang years and stuff like that, it is effective. Uh,
0: common, I don't think that's the right word. I think you mean
1: it's a part of the the culture. It's it's slightly getting different. Even these five start to play it out the back now, usually There's, to disastrous consequences. But I
0: was listening to the I was listening to the post game on the on the way home. And uh, on the radio, I missed you though, unfortunately. Ah, oh. um, but uh, I'm just saying all the same stuff here. A- Aces really- call, Aces call for the goals it was kind of interesting because he was like, "Gauld's in alone or alone on the keeper," and it's a goal. And I was like, I think there were some defenders standing around watching. <laughs> it, it
1: just, it just felt he was in alone <laughs> on the keeper. But see, at that point, Steve, it was three-one. I was like, we've still got a chance. We can get back yep. into this. We can get the next goal now. We're right back into this game. Two minutes that optimism lasted. And then you think they would have learned from that first goal to not just let Grand Seer waltz in to the the box unmarked. But they did it again. Wide open. Curls it into the bottom corner. Lovely finish, you've got to say, from him. And yeah. Horrible, even, horrible again. He didn't even make it
2: into the box. He just decided to just stand outside the box and just. You know, um, but you're right. It's just too much space. You can't. It's been a thing for the Whitecaps. No matter what team is on the back line, what players are on the back line, who's coaching, it just feels like they're always giving too much space to players that are capable of scoring those type of goals. Uh,
1: I mean, and- Gresso did his best to try and get back this time. Yeah, yeah. at least you, at least you saw it wasn't the...
0: A Matty Laba run back. Right? Yes. It was it was all out, um, but it was too little, too late.
1: Yeah. The, the thing is, we can criticize the defense and rightly so, but you're also looking for the likes of Tybert and Kubis to be helping out there, and to Gressel to be helping out as well. And I just I didn't see enough of that in that first half. It was a lot better in the second half. I'm just watching
2: the the the, the quick replay again. And I just noticed that I didn't notice it during the game. that Chicharito like basically picked uh, Gressel. I think it was Gressel that he picked, right? G-
0: so
1: and Gressel freaked out. I yeah, mean.
0: yeah.
2: That that could have been considered a foul, but I don't know if it would be strong enough to be called on a. I on think a that is they... what
1: because there was a little bit of a delay while they were looking at it. I think that is yeah. what they were looking at because Gressel did. But I, nuts, Gressel but I don't think Gressel would. I don't think Gressel would
2: have made it back to oh. in time to make a difference on the shot. Though no. apparently
1: it wasn't clear and obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but four one down at the half i mean i was not looking forward to the the second half i knew there would have to be changes and there was three changes at the the half and they were they were good changes and it was a much different looking team in the second half ricketts on for ungaro i, I Blackman on for nerwinski you do not agree with that first one I, I i
0: just feel like ungaro was hard done by like i i i, I think like we said already, like he did not, he got little to no service,
1: and then was and then was sacrificed. I, yeah, he was hung out to dry in that first half.
0: Yeah, I, I, I and that's that. Fe- it, it feels like a waste of you know one of those four call ups or whatever because yeah they well, they didn't I, use. I, I I think the fact that they the um my my feeling is that they
2: realized that he wasn't getting the service, so they had to bring a different type of striker out there. I think it was more of a uh, not on him. It should be more of the players that were trying to send him the ball, like the that, wide players.
0: That's that's fair. But even from dead ball situations, they weren't even like, felt like they weren't yeah. looking for him. Yeah.
1: The the third sub was Christian Dahomey who came on for Pedro Vite. Massive and, difference maker. Yeah. But uh, this is another game where VT just does not seem oh. at the level that yeah. the Whitecaps are needing a player like VT to be at he just was disappeared i actually forgotten he was on the pitch
0: yeah a huge another huge disappointment
1: and it feels the- like it feels like when he
2: plays like next to gold it doesn't go well like it there there's an issue there mm. or something like that where maybe he needs to be the sole provider on the behind the
1: strikers but you have to prove that you're worth that and yeah. He he's not just now. And I mean we'll, we'll talk about some of the personnel, some of the missing personnel as well, because there was a big bombshell dropped during the, the broadcast that, that we'll we'll come to. But I mean the second half, it was a much better performance from the white caps. It was much more organized at the back line. Who'd have thought the back three would have been better organised with Tristan Blackman in there? Who would have thought? Yeah, go go figure. And I don't want us to go on ad nauseum about this because we've talked about it week in, week out. I know Vani doesn't want his settled lineups. This back three has to get settled and it's got to be Blackman. It's got to be Veselinovic. And for me, it's got to be Brown right now because there's there's no one else.
0: Yeah. if you, I mean, if you need to rotate or you need to, you know, sub a player in, that's why I questioned last week, I think last week's show, Michael, about would it not be better to have Godoy for 3 games out of the 12 than than none at all mm-hmm. unless there's unless there's some kind of financial reason that improves the team now it, t- it felt kind of foolish at the time to me
1: i mean I, I, what
2: was i, I just i, I just want to re- like my my feeling on the whole thing it's and this is the whole especially the whole waving thing it feels like to me that this and i don't know if you guys have heard something else but just a speculation thing, I feels like the agent came to the White caps and asked maybe for an extension. they said they're not giving an extension then they see, he said he wants to move on to another team then because it is the summer and it's easier to find a new team in the yeah. summer than it is the winter so that, that when I, when I saw him getting like waived and released or whatever and moving on, I felt like this was more from coming, possibly coming from Godoy's side.
1: Well, I mean, if he's then said, I I won't take any more of my salary, I'm happy just to cut ties, let us go, I guess they're looking at win-win. To do that, though, they badly need another centre-back in there. And clearly, a left-sided centre-back, as we were banging on about for the last couple of shows now, and whether there's a free agent that they've got their eye on that they can bring in before that window closes, I don't know. But they need to they need to bring someone up. Obviously, the, the roster spots are at a premium just now, because if you're adding Bikel back in, then someone's going to need to move on. You've got the young guys pushing from WFC two, which at least you can do the call ups for. Just now, I mean, it's something that has to get addressed because defensively, they're still not there. And if you, if you were to ask pretty much every white cats fan just now if you just had to bring one player in now what position would it be they're going to say defense oh yeah because the rest looks like it's there if they can get everyone healthier on the the pitch at the same time yeah but i mean they made a fight of it for the second half and that was kind of what i was saying at the top how there are some positives to take from this and I, i talked about this on the the post game show as well I think the big positive that Vani can take from this is that the team didn't give up. They didn't put their heads down. And in that second half, they came out fighting. And they had opportunities. And they, they still looked second best. And they came away in the end of a 5-2 win. But they they made it interesting with 20 minutes to go when Dahomey does great work. Well, first of all, before that, Schopf came on. We weren't sure if we were going to see him today or not, but I, I feel Vanny was like, well, let's just see what he can do here. Plays the ball to the homie who dances through the the Galaxy defence, hits the byline, a fantastic cutback to Ricketts, who pokes it home, 4-2, and you're thinking, oh, they, they can't, can they? <laughs> Toss
0: likes to score against the Galaxy, but he also should have been b- booked around the 50th minute for that tackle he had on uh, Kubale. Um, but uh, but no, it, it, Johnny on the spot, great work from Dahomey. He showed that he was in the you know brought on to make a difference, and he made a difference. Uh, and going going forward in more way than one. But mm. um, yeah, it also proves your guys' point that maybe maybe he should have started the game.
1: Yeah, keeping on Dahomey Then I want to now, talk about his two bookings. He might not have lasted that long if you started from the beginning. Yes. He was fired up clearly. So two bookings in the space of nine, ten minutes. The first one is the kind of booking that drives me nuts. Because okay, the goalkeeper's holding on to the ball. There it doesn't matter. If you have the ball and you put it down in the center spot you're still waiting for the, the oppositions to get there yeah. to keep off. To to have a, what we would call in Scotland, a stromash, but to have that kind of incident in the box is it, foolish. But then to get yourself booked for it as well, it's just, it's anger-inducing. And it was the right decision to pick both of them because the homies' arms were flailing around. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was borderline, you could say, that he made contact. I know Manuel Veth in our, our chat had said he thought it should have been a red at that point, which I thought would have been very very harsh. But Bond went down as if he'd been right. He sure, like, yeah. he
2: he made a meal of it for sure. The keeper, uh, but the homemade that's the thing I always agreed with that too. That when the keeper has the ball, what's the point of like trying to grab it off him? Yeah. All all you're gonna do is cause him more issues. Uh, like you like you have to trust that the referee is tracking how long this is being time being wasted, and and eventually. Put that time on the clock afterwards. It really doesn't make any difference to me.
0: Yeah, no, no one likes a bland stromash. I mean, right. You need seasoning. You need flavor in there, <laughs> which is why I think the uh, the ACB threw a, a bottle of beer on the field at the in the, at the end of that. Oh, I missed that. It was just it didn't get close to anyone. But their ah. defender
1: picked it. I think Raheem Edwards picked it up and chucked it between his legs. Jeez. So I mean that that was a stupid booking and. It became even more stupid in the 79th minute when he gets a second yellow. Now, I'm curious for your guys' opinions on this, because for me, I don't even think it was a foul, never mind a yellow card. Colin Miller agrees with me, but maybe that's our Scottish way of looking at it.
2: There was an appearance of a foul, and he came. I think he did nick him. I think both of them did get contact of the ball. I think almost in the follow-through for Dahomey, he did... He did nick the other player's foot, but again, I think I think I don't know which player it was, but that guy... Him, and it's like it? he
1: ended up kicking uh Dahomey's foot, which is why I think he was in so much pain.
2: Yeah. I, I, I think there there was definitely
1: contact, but when you when you're in that position and
2: you're you, you just gotta be careful, I guess. I don't know. Maybe maybe Petrescu gave him the yellow, not realizing he already had one and then he hadn't realized it, maybe he had to give a red at that point. Because well. if you see when Petrescu gave the yellow card. He didn't really pull out the red right away. No, I mean, but that's
0: because he misplaced it. He reached for Oh, Zach, did he? It okay. Yeah, so he it was just Petretko yeah, being he, He's just out. incompetent. Yeah, okay. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> yeah. He, but I
1: will tell you one thing though about that before you say anything, Zach. The homie's getting a fine for not leaving the field in a timely manner as well. Because MLS have been very big at clamping down on that this season.
0: Yeah, uh, well, that that makes sense. I, I think it's it was a guy like home should know should know that putting himself in that position, even though yeah, you can say the defender kicked him, you're putting your foot foot in into a situation where a player's kicking the ball, and if they hit you, it is it is going to be called as a foul. And so when you come off making a foolish decision to get a yellow card first, he I believe he made a naive or foolish decision. Secondly, to go in at that point um, to put himself in a position where he could get sent off, and I I really don't think. He has anyone to blame but himself.
2: Yeah, it's all, the whole. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move my fist like this, and if I'm gonna go walk towards you, if you happen to be there, then your is your fault for getting. Just... Yeah,
0: because mm-hmm. even even on the original play, uh, when you watch it, like the original camera angle and everything, it looks like he's late coming in. Yeah, it does. Like even when you don't slow it down, it looks like, oh yeah, he's late, and and this is a, one of the things where Var can. It's a red card, right? So they no, it, it was a no, yellow because it was, it was a second, second yellow. It was a they second can't yellow. review it. Yeah, it can't be
1: reviewed. Even yeah, got, that that's one of the things I would really like them to change, and not just because of this. Like I, I feel this way in general. Any sending off should be able to be reviewed, whether it's a second yeah. yellow or a straight red. That's what VAR is there for. Because I, I don't know. I but, still
0: don't th- I still don't think MLS VAR would overturn that.
1: No, it probably wouldn't have been clear and obvious.
0: But
2: in this case, it's the clear thing about having doing that stupid first yellow, and then you then you get that borderline yellow that some people will call, some people will agree with. But that first yellow that didn't need to be done that cost you a player off the pitch.
1: Yeah, and then I mean after that, you thought, well, it's pretty much going to be game over. And then the Galaxy went nap in the 89th minute, made it five two Alvarez. Another poorly defended goal, but meh.
0: Yeah, it, what time is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the 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 watching the watching the the, the game in, in an establishment. We had sound in the first half was great, but then they, I guess at halftime they shut it off and forgot to turn on the volume, so it was a bit confusing watching things with the sound off. Because if you've seen on the the broadcast, they put up two red cards for LA. And they said uh, Cabral got sent, sent off a couple times on the screen, and um, and then for a while they had two red cards for LA, one for Vancouver. We were like, hang on, what are we like? Did we miss something because <laughs> like, we, we were talking as you know things were going on. We're like, did we did we not see something? We're like, everyone's looking on their phones. Um, it was kind of funny. So even like yeah, as the homie's walking on the field, it says two red cards LA.
1: Last thing to talk about the match, at least the, the Whitecaps kept fighting to the end. Gold, that free kick. I don't know if it was going in or if it was going to go on the post, but it was a well-taken free kick. It was touched away by Bond, and then from the subsequent corner, it was a, another chance for, from Ricketts. So they they finished the game strongly, but 5-2 in a, a game against a team that you're in the, the dogfight with for, for the playoffs. These are the games... That the White Caps have to win, if they want to be in the playoffs. You've got to beat the sides that are battling to get into there with you. And now you just look at the standings, and LA jump up into the playoff spots. So they're up to sixth, and the White Caps still in eleventh, but they're only three points back. And I'll, I'll come to that when we look over some of the other results tonight. Well, the, but, the White the White
0: Caps helped them with the goal difference, I think, right?
1: Yeah. But the, no, these no, are the the games that they have to win, Steve. I don't I don't know if they have to win, but
2: they definitely need to draw and not give yeah not they give can't their give opponents three the fun. points away. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's maybe a bit especially way
1: of especially on that. the road and everything yeah. like that. Those at are the at games, home, these are the games they have to
2: win. Yes, they need to win these type of games at home. But on the on the road, you need to uh, kind of even it out and kind of uh, you know play to a draw. And then walk away and just get ready to play at home again. Like if you could pick up a win on a road against a, a, a you know a you know caliber team like in your that's in the rat race with you, basically yeah you could you try to do that. But if you can't, just at least go for the draw and even out the points so nobody's like gaining any ground on anybody.
1: So a disappointing night in California. Vanny afterwards said that tonight we finally paid the price for waking up late. Mm. And it's what we've talked about Some team was going to punish them And they've all season They've been let off the hook really By teams not going for the jugular And taking those chances And it happened tonight That LA did take those chances And Vanny said It's on us, on me On the players, we need to be better We talked about it again And we need to seriously think how I'd say Tackle better at the start of the game it's like these are fundamental things. I haven't been at training much at, at all this season, just for a variety of reasons, but it's like what what are they working on? It's certainly not marking. Well they're having barbecues with the supporters. Oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's nice so that's building. Oh, that was really, that was really good actually. Vanny um, said he's very frustrated. He's very sorry for the fans. We have to be better. And then he says, rightly, we are still three points behind the line. So it's there. And we know that we had to do 17 to 18 points in these last 10 games. So maybe we could lose one or two games. I hope not to lose the game like this. Hopefully it's a wake-up call for our next games. So now they have to basically get 17 to 18 points from the last nine games. And you you look at the, the results. Now, last weekend, the Whitecaps... Aside from the big win that they got, they were helped out. All the results seemed to go in their favour. And it started off nicely today as well. Toronto beat Portland 3-1. It's one of those games you don't really want to cheer for TFC, but hey, if they can do the damage against Portland, that's really going to help you. And Portland had made it 1-0 at one point before TFC. Their Italians got two late goals. Mm-hmm. Austin beat Kansas City 4-3. Columbus drew 1-1 at Colorado, so that was a good result for the White Caps. Dallas continued their decent form with a 4-1 win over San Jose. Montreal beat Houston 3-2, so those, San Jose, Houston doesn't matter too much anyway. And then of course LA with that 5-2 win. LAFC also put five goals up, beating Charlotte. Tomorrow, two massive games. So we're recording this on Saturday night for reasons I will come to at the end of the show. Um, But tomorrow on Sunday, Nashville play Minnesota, Seattle play RSL. You're ideally wanting two draws in those games. Mm -hmm. And you're ideally wanting as many draws between teams between now and the end of the season, really. Because the Whitecaps might just be three points back of the playoff line, but they're in 11th place. They've got to jump over four teams to get there. And we talked about this on the show last week, Steve. It's okay being that close, but when you've got that much traffic ahead of you, it just makes it all the more difficult.
2: Yeah, 100%. You you need to eventually, because a lot of these teams are are going to make that run at one point. Now, will the Whitecaps be that team that makes the run like they did last year? It's getting to that point where they were. Um and so if they may, if they're the ones that make that run, that's great. But there are a lot of teams that are are quality uh, this year that are in that playoff hunt. Um, and and you just gave one of your opponent, one of the people that you're going against, a big boost in yep. that.
1: And if Seattle win tomorrow, right away they jump into fourth or, or fifth in the in the table. And you see that Portland and Seattle are outside the playoff places and it is hard to believe that they'll both finish the season there. Especially from Seattle's point of view because they always make the playoffs. So then you're looking, as we keep talking about, for other teams to drop downs and it's just getting more and more tricky. And every week we're needing teams to drop points. But we have to get the job done. And now Wednesday's game against Colorado looms large. It's at home. Colorado's in tenth and thirty-one points. If they win that, they've got four points ahead of us. I'd think that's it for the for the Whitecaps. You, you're having to win out after that, and we talked in last week's show, Zach, about the last three games are pretty darn tough.
0: It's not mathematical, but but yeah, obviously, it, yeah, it puts them in a in a bigger hole than they're they're in at the moment. Um, yeah, and Colorado, um, yeah, is a team you have to beat at home. <laughs> On the road, if you can get a point there, that's great. But you got to beat them at home.
1: What, what are you expecting from Wednesday, Steve? A, a bounce back performance? Oh very capable.
2: Yeah, especially I think Cavallini's back, so you have a you know your top choice striker. I don't know who the injury other injuries are. Um, I'm also... White looks
1: like he might be
2: missing for a little
1: bit. He's yeah. got this rib injury, and we spoke in last week's show that they can really be niggly.
2: Yeah. That the, the other thing is is the like uh, one player that I, I did, he didn't seem the same form as he normally was, and that does hurt uh, attacking and defending is Kuba's. He was kind of invisible on the pitch. He doesn't. He wasn't his top, you know, his normal top self. Yeah. So I think I think him getting today, and then hopefully he's gonna be able to play on Wednesday too. Because a lot of these guys that are dealt, if they, I don't know how sick they were with the COVID, whether they were how many symptoms they had. But if they had symptoms, it it will take a little while to get back into form. Yeah,
0: yeah. and and they, I mean, they got to get match fit, right? Chef, chef needs to be next to Kubas, like that. that yeah, I mean that that's what we.
1: I mean, th- them in the middle changes this team dramatically. Yeah. But then you also have to look at what you're going to be doing in attack because Vite's not cutting it. And yeah, no. It would have been nice to then have had Dahomey in there as an option, but unless they appeal that and it gets overturned, which I don't think it. No. Would,
0: yeah, another another um, another person who added to today's performance and result is is Lucas Cavallini. Oh, yeah. his, his yellow card in the last game was inexcusable, uh, and he put his team in a place where they they didn't have one of their you know top two strikers on the field due to injury and his and his suspension, and he needs to shoulder some of that because his. His poor decision making cost them at least at least a better performance if not a potentially a point or more
1: he's going to be playing for wfc2 on sunday so there's been some robust challenges in the mls Next pro so that could be a nice feisty affair at, at swan guard looking forward to that i want to talk about two players that are missing at the moment and Paul Dolan, now you wouldn't have heard this, Zach, because the sound was down in, in the establishment that you were in. Yeah. Christian Gutierrez. So Paul Dolan dropped the the shock that he'd asked Fanny what was happening with Christian. And basically Gutierrez is not in the Whitecaps' plans. He's going to be with WFC2 possibly for the rest of the season, whilst to quote Paul Dolan, he finds himself a new club.
0: That that's absolutely crazy. This is obviously has to do something with personal issues or mentality or attitude because
2: personality issues maybe. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I, I think it could be maybe attitude. Obviously, we're wild speculation here, but for such a talented player, for a guy that's pushing to be at the World Cup,
0: I wonder if maybe his head's got big as being a part of that Canadian team or something. Because I there has been, I remember once or twice him, I think coming off subbed and throwing a tantrum or whatever it was, but like it, it's that, I mean, it's it, obviously it. it's Gutierrez needs to respond better to whatever criticism or feedback he's getting from his coaches or, you know, when they take him off and, you know, you know, behave like a professional, but like also from a white caps perspective, it's such a waste because he is the best left wing back they've, they've had what? in a long time.
2: But I don't know if they consider him a left wing back. That's the thing. Like I, I, I honestly don't think that he might not be the type of player that Vanny wants to play at the wing back position. Because there was a couple games where I believe he played left center back. They tried him out in that position. If I don't know if injuries. had Yeah, that, had a that big was play. Uh,
0: an absolute disaster, though. Yeah, so. he's, not, <laughs> he's, a le- he's a left. He's a left. He's left full back. He's a left wing back. Would any of you say that anyone else on that team is a better left wing back than he is? Like I know, Raposo's had some great performances. No, I mean well, Luis Martin's can be, but he's never done that in a Whitecaps uniform. Ever. No,
2: no. But it, what I'm saying is that, that what I'm saying is that in Vanny's eyes, maybe he doesn't see him as that type of player, and that's why yeah. he hasn't had that run. Like I remember, there were, he, he had that really great run, but that was with DeSantos. And after DeSantos left, basically, because after that he had some injuries. And then DeSantos left and he never really got back into the lineup full time. It was it's always such in and out. a
1: Such a strange one because he's such a, a quality player and it, it makes no sense. So that... sorry, keep going. My... No, I was gonna uh, move on to uh, another I was, player. I was but... just
0: gonna say, like, yes, I think there's equal parts here. Like, I think there should like Gutierrez needs to take part of the blame for this, but the Whitecaps do as well. When you have someone that is that talented that is a part of the greatest Canadian men's national team ever, uh, and has played at least a little bit of a role for them. And you can't get the best out of him. Something's not right on both on both sides. Obviously, he, yeah. he has played a role in that.
1: But, but they he, need to he do needs better. to play if he wants to go to the World Cup. That's the thing. So well, of course, y- you can basically say his World Cup dreams are probably getting ruined right now. Oh, totally.
2: Because I have, which
1: is why he's probably angry. Because
2: for me, I have not seen anything. And I don't recall anything in Goody's play uh, other than the play at left center back where he has played negatively. Yeah. Like, I don't honestly recall anything. So for me, this... I, yeah, you might say he is at tantrums or he's frustrated um, because he can't get on the pitch. But for me, this is, looks like to me that Sart- Vandy Sartini does not see Goody errors as a left wing back and prefers like a Ryan Raposo mm-hmm. who will actually attack. Like, Gressel and Raposo... And, and the players he's used, those guys attack more. Gutierrez does attack, attack the box. I don't feel like Gutierrez attacks the box as much. He as crosses he, more? He crosses more, yeah. So he, I, he's I think got a great delivery, though. He,
1: I mean, yeah. t- some of Gutierrez's deliveries are some of the best on the team. Yeah, I agree with that. It's maybe just the consistency levels. The, the other player, though, that's MIA is Alejandri. Not on the bench again tonight, and... I mean, the last I'd heard, they were still trying to get his his fitness levels up. There's obviously been lots of stuff about frustrations in that, which the the Whitecaps have denied the reports that he he's wanting away. But he's another guy in a big ticket that if he isn't performing, you've got to maybe do a maybe get him. No, I know, and and the thing, and the thing
2: is, is the 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 all of a sudden, the central midfield positions, these positions, they are getting players in there. So they have a lot of excess, you know, potential players that need to move on. Like, you got Owosu, Bikel's back, um, Kyle Alexandre, always, like you said, Tiber, Baldissimo. Like, they got to figure out who's – like, they definitely have their two starters, I feel. Like, their two starters are set. It's just a matter of who's going to play the depth roles and, yeah. and be, like, players that can come off the bench.
1: But well, we'll see how everything shakes up. Massive game coming up on Wednesday night at BC Place against Colorado. It really is a must win. There's, there's no ifs and buts about that. Let's see if they can get the job done. But that is it for our chat about the Whitecaps on the pitch. In the, the second part of this episode, we're going to be looking at the off-the-field dealings that's been involving the Whitecaps this week. And we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. I hate you so much for you are the
2: worst
0: down nightmare. You sick and course and shit, I don't care. You
1: Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of August from Germany, Electric Callboy. That's a song taken from their 2020 EP, MMXX, and that is Hate Slash Love. Because, in football terms, football is... A wonderful game because you can both hate and love your team in equal measures. It's just a, a goal, a moment, a, a horrible first half performance and you can go from loving the guys to hating the guys and that's why we love the sport so much because it just brings out so many emotions to you. And you can hate the, the club for some things that they do. You can love a club for some of the things that they can do and players and everything like that. So I thought that was a, a very apt song to to have to kick off this part. Now, this part of the, the show, this second part, is going to look at some of the off-field stuff that has dogged the the Whitecaps, really, for the, the last couple of years. And it's the abuse allegations... Dating back to 2008 with Bob Barada and the women's team. And then 2011 with Herbert Busby and the women's team. We've spoken about this on the show before. There's been a lot of stuff covered elsewhere in the media. The Guardian's done a lot of stuff in it. Kieran McCormick, the big advocate that brought this to the, the public light again. And it led to reports being commissioned by Canada Soccer. MLS have also commissioned their report for the Whitecaps to look into it. And FIFA are also looking into the the allegations for it all. Now, the the Canada Soccer Report was published last week or the the week before. But in the last week, the MLS report that they had done for the Whitecaps was finally published. We'd heard, or I'd heard the week before, that the report had been done and it was going to be imminent. And the word I got was there's going to be some unhappy people because the findings of the report might not be what people were were hoping for. So for this part, we're going to talk about that report. We're going to talk about the Canada Soccer Report a bit as well. And like nothing's planned. It's a free discussion, I've said to the guys, to talk about whatever you want in this part. We'll keep it respectful. We won't harbour on about the same thing over and over. But it's an interesting report from the MLS side, and I'll just cover a couple of little bits from it quickly just to kick things off. So it was a 15-page report published by Ruben Tomlinson. The report seems to have been drawn up on July 28th. And it was Vancouver Whitecaps Review, Findings and Recommendations. So in short, in November 2021, MLS engaged Ruben Tomlinson to conduct an independent review of how the the Whitecaps handled allegations of misconduct brought forward by members of the Whitecaps women's team against the the two former coaches. So they were given a mandate to, to look into that, and we're going to look at some of the the findings that's come out of the report under the conduct of the review side and if you guys want to jump in at any of this feel free to do this so to set it up an email address was set up that was shared widely and people could contact it and they would interview everyone who contacted them in this way if they could In addition, they asked for and received approximately 3,000 pages of documents which related to the events of 2008 and 2011, as well as various policies, procedures and training manuals and they reviewed all that. They identified 30 individuals who they wished to interview. Now, while all current Whitecaps employees agreed to be interviewed, most of the other people, regrettably, who had been identified did not respond and they didn't want to participate. And there's a, a number of reasons that that you can look at for that. One of them, I, I think, is just the fact that there's been so many of re- these reviews going on that some of the parties just want to move on.
0: Well, there's other reasons too which we can maybe come to later.
1: Yes, because there is a hope that other things might come out down the line. And they, a caveat that they've that they have wanted in this report is if things do come out down the line that this can be revisited. Yeah. So they didn't interview as many former players as they would have liked. I don't and think
2: any any three, former players. No, three. The number is three. Oh, yeah. three. Oh, was it three? Okay.
1: Right, Michael. It says in the yeah.
2: Report. That, I missed that then. I thought it wasn't none of the players. Yeah,
1: at so. first I thought it was none as well, but well, there, it, there
0: was it's, it's three former players, but that doesn't like. It's we don't know wh- at
1: what point these players were involved. Yeah, in the actual- we
0: know we know one of the foreign players who it wasn't.
1: Yes, the the report says that their voices, which they very much wanted to hear, are largely missing from this review. And wait, I think wait. because of that, people will think, "Well, it's not a proper review."
0: Yeah, can we can we pause there for yeah. a moment? Like, yeah Like That like seems like a yeah. It feels like this is very much an incomplete process yeah but you can't force the people to talk okay so maybe now is the time to talk about this but when you listen to kira you know tweet about this Mm. she gives some very specific reasons why i believe herself uh, correct me if i'm wrong and a number of other players who are at the heart of this didn't want to speak to this to to ruben and ruben's group is because they wouldn't uh, or didn't give sufficient answers to their questions about who the report was for, who it was being done by, who's paying for it, those kinds of things. Am I, is, is that does that sound correct? Yeah, that I mean. So th- th- I think Kira, Kira's perspective was uh, this is essentially another report that's being paid for by the people who are there are, are being investigated. Right? But no, like, for,
2: I, but I thought I could have sworn that I thought the white the MLS commissioned this report. And it's th- not the white caps
0: I think they did but I think there's again correct me if I'm wrong my sense is that they feel that the fact that MLS is paying for it which the white caps are a part of uh, makes it not independent the way it should be I guess or not independent per- potentially the way I perceive the Csa report to you know to be have been
2: and the, but then I for me like the um like if you look at like maybe not a lot of people a lot of people don't know this but it feels like to me the MLS wants to find reasons to get rid of some of these people that were involved in the whole allegations and everything like that. They're re- they're not really on the white cap side MLS.
0: No, it, I, it I would just, I would agree with you. Yeah. But um I also think that I mean this is another one of my, my and I'm not, concerns uh, is when you look at these two reports side by side, they're not the, it's like they're not the same thing. No, like but the CSA reports like 125 pages, I exactly. think. And this one's 18. So it looks like the CSA or whoever paid for that one was paying for like a deeper investigation, where the MLS one seems like it's more like a medium investigation. Uh, but at least I guess we can all agree—at least it wasn't the Ann Chopra investigation that has no, you know, written report that anyone can look at years later.
2: Yeah, no paperwork.
1: No, no, no. Oh, sorry. And that was only fifteen thousand. That one, I
2: guess.
1: Yeah. Now, Matthew Hall from the Guardian who had done a yeoman's job in reporting this and bringing it to the wider attention, had had tweeted that the MLS investigation will say that the Whitecaps' response to the allegations was appropriate. The club acted expeditiously to hire an experienced workplace investigator, relied on the investigator's judgment and adhered to all the investigator's recommendations and then said, I will let the survivors of the trauma, those that were there at the time, speak about their thoughts on that. To which Kira was one of the folk, but Dan Cortimont from MLS said, "Let's make sure the facts are reported accurately," and draws the fact that three of the players were were spoken to. But I mean,
0: it says three person in the club. It, like, we don't know who those are. That could have been like, for example, that could have been Andrea Neal.
1: Yeah, it's a for, she's a former player. She, yep. but she wasn't at the center of this, right? Because Kira then retweeted that saying fact equals many players chose not to engage because Ruben Tomlinson wouldn't reveal if they were acting for MLS. Perhaps you could tell us. And, and is there a reply to that? No. Yeah.
0: So it, it, it just makes the whole thing feel incomplete. And, and I mean, just the, that other, the comment, the other thing there, Michael, to say that the Whitecaps did their job by hiring someone to do something. Uh, And they were, you know, recognized or whatever, I think maybe, maybe you can say, okay, in 28 or two, sorry, 2008, you could say, okay, they did that. But then when you have a, a situation end with nothing in writing and surrounded by NDAs, and then when another thing happens and you choose to go that exact same route, I don't think you can say that they did their best. I might be wrong but i don't to me that just, that doesn't add up like when when a situation when something like this happens you don't say let's have the least amount of uh uh of, of, not evidence the least amount of reporting of recording laying around so we have no way to defend what we did in the future it's the exact opposite you want to have People say, this is what we did. This is how we did it. This is this is specifically what was done.
1: You want records of all those things in, yeah. in a deeper way. What it kind of boils down to, though, is, and I think this is how the reports come at it, is what happened back then? Did the Whitecaps put things in place since to address this to make sure it doesn't happen again? And are the current procedures robust enough so that this won't happen again? And... From from reading the report, they basically are saying, I, I'm summarizing this massively here, but they're basically saying, mistakes were made, and they're just saying mistakes were made. Procedures weren't great then. They have changed them through the years, and now there's a much better procedure in place. And that is not what f- people were hoping for from this review. Again, though, <laughs> I don't know how you can say, that. like, it's not
0: like this is, if it, this was one, if it was just 20, 2008 was the only issue. I, I might say, okay, I can understand how they come to that conclusion, even though it's limited without more of the players at the center of it being involved. But when it happened then again, two years later, and you can say, yeah, like that, you know, uh, I think that shows that they didn't handle things the best because they oh, yeah. did the exact same thing apparently, or it appears like in 2000 and 2000, uh, 11. 11.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it so, says in the report here that it may be that former players are fatigued by these reviews and did not want to relive these events with us. It may also be that with so much investigation waters under the bridge, the former players did not trust this process.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, they, they admit to it and that that's the thing. But the one thing that I saw, like the, the, it, you're right in this way that they buried the investigator. Whoever, uh, like the oh, investigator, yes. back into the yes. like the point really is the uh, about, like, you know, you mentioned there's no written reports for the investigation, no record of it um, Which at is all.
1: Mind blowing,
2: yeah. And then the other part, like, uh, in you know, part four, number 10, uh, just to quote it, some of the investigators' findings seemed overly generous yeah. to Mr. Barada and Mr. Busby, despite the evidence about their misconduct to our yeah. players. So, in this like the thing is for me though even if you're going to say the white caps relied on the investigator they heard about this so they made their own like findings for this as well and f- f- like for me it's I, like whatever you want to say about you know the the thing being generous to the white caps and stuff like that is still institutional control and when institutional control, you lose it, They're, the players, the people that were in charge at that time still have to take, the, the, you know, be prepared to do the consequences. Now, if these people that were there at that time are still here now and part of the Whitecaps, I don't. And even if they say, oh, the Whitecaps did everything they could, they was just they were maybe naive in thinking that this investigator was doing their job. For me, they still heard about these allegations because the players went to them first before they they hired this investigator. So they it's not like they were blind to the, what what happened during this time. So this investigator said was generous. The white caps should have known, wait a second, this is not right, or something like that. There should have been some kind of pushback on this investigator at the totally. time. Totally. And I, yeah. I I can understand, okay, there's no cover up because maybe you can say there's no official cover up but they tried to sweep it under the rug as much as possible yeah. and, and 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 you could tell in some of the things that that they like the the players have talked about what their you know the feedback I remember there was an email or something by the by the female players the well they group. had
0: they had, they had a meeting right with uh Leonard Yeah Reed.
2: there was something I can't remember what it was but they told them about like 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 there was some, I can't, I just can't recall it right now. I wish I well, checked the, into the, it a the little
0: CSA bit report, The CSA the, report, the one section in the CSA report, which is very detailed about everything that happened, talks about how Leonard Uzi and uh, Victor Montaliani went to a meeting with the players and told and said, this is what's happening. This is how we're moving forward. and But it was all the, you know, um sort of the mutually aparted ways. No longer coach. He wishes you well, blah, blah, blah. Here's Ian Bridge, your new national team coach. You know, it, and it, yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Steve. I think that if you if you look at if if if, the, if this report now is saying that you know the the um, the investigator and Chopra was generous to the um, I guess the abusers or at least the the one abuser for sure the one uh, the one convicted abuser uh, in, the, in this case was generous to him. Like how how could you not see that at the time? Like, how could you, and, and, and the only way that I think they see that at the time, and this has been my, this has been my issue with the Whitecaps organization and the Whitecaps executive for years now, before all, of, all, of, all this came to, to light, or more fully to light, is that their approach has always been uh, to protect the football club um, uh, and themselves in terms of perception and how people view them. Because they don't want to lose their jobs, and they want—they don't want the
1: club to lose money, because that impacts their jobs. And so, to, do, to be they'll fair, do it. though, I would say that is most businesses' approach to these matters.
0: Well, th- th- that—and uh, I, I hear you, but I think that I think that people want better. I think people want more. From oh, their- they do.
1: But I mean, yeah. you're not going to t- be able to tell me a business would be acting differently, especially back well, then.
0: No, but in general, I think. People want people want a Mark Penis approach. Yes. They want someone to say, We
1: screwed up here. This is and to wrong. be fair, like Axel's done that.
0: Yes. I Even mean, he was in room. Yeah. But you want an, a Mark Penis who holds up a hand and says something happened in our organization that is not right, and we are gonna do everything we can to fix it. Right? I, I think I think you get so much more credit and goodwill, and it yep. helps you so much more than the white caps desire to control the narrative and make sure they don't look bad because they want to sell more as many tickets as possible and stuff like that. I think, I think they, they've taken approach to not try and, um, to not try and hurt the, the business in that way. And the approach they've taken, I think arguably has hurt the business, uh, in at least the medium term, if not the long, the long term. Like so being- first, In my opinion, I agree with those people, Michael, who say that, those involved in leadership at the time should no longer be a part of the club. They don't have the reputation. They don't have the credibility to move forward in their in their roles or in any role at the club. They, I don't think they should be there. And I think, I think to her credit, I think Rachel Lewis understands that at least a little bit. Yeah. I, I personally think that being transparent will never harm
2: you. If you're transparent right off the bat with something that goes wrong, it should never harm you because you uh put forward right away that something happened here and we're going to do everything for, like, obviously this wasn't part of this investigation, but what? when did that happen? 2016, 2017 with the academy players? Hmm. I can't remember. They're, they're, they're definitely, we heard from uh, one of the, the, the victim's mother where I don't agree with that. Like, like something should be put forward saying that, you don't even have to name the players. Just say there was an incident with the academy players we're doing everything to help out the victim and we're going to we're going to we're going to support him and even in this report like the the one thing that we saw um there was another point that where it actually did uh, like go harshly against the white not harshly but go against the white caps where they mentioned about how, when Barada exited in 2008 the club was more focused on the needs of the white caps and the player and Barata and not the players they changed yeah. that apparently in, after 2011 but that's where I think a lot of the players from 2008 have that bitter feeling because they weren't like there was a severance package or something that was, not that was created, but they weren't able to look at it because it was three party severance package and only apparently the Whitecaps agreed to do it, but they could have agreed to do it and knowing that Brada was never going to allow it to come forward. Right. They could have been, you know, shown that, Oh yeah, we're being generous with them, because they know nobody else is going to release that severance. So So for me, the fact that, you know, they weren't player focused and I don't feel, I just don't feel that they, like they might've shown they were, maybe they did a more, like a better response or something back in, after 2011, but I just don't feel like they've been more player focused even after 2011, because we saw what happened in 2015. Or 26, whatever year it was. I can't yeah.
1: I can't recall the year because everything's yeah. melding together. At this One point. thing I would say about that is though they, they would never be able to name the players because oh they definitely couldn't name yeah. the players back then. The
2: yeah. the, the because the, the people that assaulted were uh, uh you know yeah, they were uh, underage that, underage as well. Yeah. But they, they they could have just mentioned that there was an incident with the academy. Um we're gonna support the we can't we're not allowed to name the other the the assaulters' names, but they've been you know taken care of, they're not gonna be no longer with the club and we're going to support the younger player instead of trying to say you know we're oh all yeah gonna so
1: that's him. sorry that's what you meant yeah no, yeah i to- totally agree with that yeah i mean some of the other findings regarding the club's response i mean it this, the report uses phrases such as that in both 20 2008 and 2011 that they, things were investigated promptly they, yeah. they, they've said in both things and then with the Busby case, the investigation, which was again by Ann Chopra, it was inconclusive, but the Whitecaps response to the allegations of misconduct against both was appropriate. Namely, they acted expeditiously in each instance by hiring an investigator relying on their judgment and apparent, it says an apparent expertise and adhere to all of the investigators recommendations. In, but and that's where like, I don't think anyone can look at tw- two thousand eight
0: and say that this was the best handling of this because no. it even, it even see, and when you read the CSA documents and you read what happened,
1: yeah, because Kira says in particular, uh, pages seventy five to ninety two of the if CSA documents. You haven't document, read that. You
0: need to go read it because it, it basically says the Whitecaps agreed to terminate him. The CSA said voted, their at least their executive voted to terminate him. And then all of a sudden, uh, they they have to backtrack, maybe because of lawyers or whatever, and they go different, or maybe it was, I don't know if it was choppers or whatever, they go a different direction in this whole mutually parted ways thing, when really the record is, is he was terminated. Yep. like And so this, how all that came about, and then to say, oh yeah, let's go back to this same person they helped us out last time. It didn't blow yeah. up on our faces, so we'll use them again. But in your heart, you know that wasn't right, that this person who had this behavior towards uh, their players, treating their players or acting towards their players a certain way, was then able to go and coach more players of a young age. Like, it it just, like, how you can do that as a human being, to me, like, is mind-boggling. And I recognize that you can't, obviously, fire someone and then maybe publicly badmouth them. And maybe that's a law that needs to change. I don't know. But, like... um, yeah, it just how you can say we handled that well. The the right thing happened uh, morally in the situation. We're gonna move. We're gonna move forward and use that person again because they made such amazing recommendations. No, they chose Ann Trapper again because Ann Trapper helped them get out of a tough situation, and it didn't blow back on them at the time.
1: Yeah. I mean the it, the findings from four point eight to four point ten in the Reuben Tomlinson report are so damning. Against the initial investigator. Yeah. Without reading too much, it like they have significant concerns about the investigations themselves. They found them superficial and lacking in depth. They were rushed, limited. And then the 4.9 most problematically, the investigator did not prepare written investigation reports for any stressed of the investigations.
0: And in, in it's the- just crazy it's crazy and the white caps in 2019 when all this was blowing up the white caps knew they knew they knew that they knew that this was wrong because they didn't even say that at the beginning michael if if i maybe correct me if i'm wrong but they wouldn't say people were like we want to see the report from the investigator they didn't come out right away and say hey by the way uh we can't give you the report because it doesn't exist they didn't say that right away because they knew that wasn't the right thing
1: (laughs) yep what i don't understand though is It then goes on to say in this report, uh, we don't think that the concerns with the investigations could be attributed to the Whitecaps, but they hired the investigators. So if if the Whitecaps thought, oh, this isn't a good investigation, surely they would have said we need more. But they were well, happy that's where, with what came back.
2: That's where they were mentioned, like the in the, the 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 this investigator mentioned the inexperience of the white caps. Yeah, they didn't have a
1: sophisticated thing. HR yeah. structure. That's right. not
0: an excuse. I'm sorry. No. That's
1: oh, no, excuse. it's not. No, no, it's
2: not. It's somebody of those, you know, four or five people that were in that circle should have seen that this investigation wasn't proper. Yeah, and that's where it was, it should never have been reinvested. And the thing is, the the, the the current investigator, room Tomlinson or whatever, the, why didn't they look into the, what happened during the 2019 and and the club's response at that time?
1: There should have been
2: something well, there would, that gave them a clue. Looked,
1: they would have looked. They looked at some some of. But that, that
2: wasn't mentioned in anything about no. when it was brought up again. That's the thing. And, and and the thing is, when you're talking to just the employees, that's they're gonna they're gonna narrate however they want to at that point whether it's the correct narration or that's the way they perceived it at the time back in twenty eight two thousand eight, two thousand eleven. Cause honestly, a lot of people might, you know, there's that thing where you remember something the way, even though it, you might you might think it's you might not even realize that you misremembering something. You this is might be just so ingrained in your head that you think that's the way it actually happened.
1: To to kind of bring this back to the the recommendations from it. I, again, I'm paraphrasing and summarizing a lot of this, but the reports on the Whitecaps website, you can download it. I printed it off so I could like highlight certain bits in my old-fashioned way that I, I like to do things. But Yeah, well, it, I, th- I think the listeners have heard your papers wrong. Yes, probably. <laughs> in summary, some of the things that they're saying are that the Whitecaps can't be apportioned too much blame for the poor investigations because they didn't have expertise in that And they hired somebody that was meant to be expertise as an investigator, and they're basically saying that they failed them.
0: You can say that if they did it once, they did it twice.
1: Yeah. But findings regarding the club's current policies and procedures are basically that strong measures are in place to ensure a safe environment. Uh, And from speaking to people there, it, it is, it's so different now. And in Axel Schuster, You've got a guy that, I mean, he wasn't back involved with the club back then, but he's come out and said, we want to be open. We want to be robust. We want to deal with these things. We want to have an open, anonymous policy for people reporting these matters. And this report says that the current procedures, everything that the Whitecaps are doing is good.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, we don't know when this came into play. Like, I don't know if we know when a lot of these things came. Did they come in after... Uh, 2019, when all the protests happened, that's when they instituted this stuff. Like, one of the things that I they think mentioned some is,
1: of it's come in time because MLS yeah. have mandated a, a well, lot of stuff. Yeah, but of course, there, that, isn't, there isn't a, a pro women's team now, but you do have the, the Rex Elite.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, one of the things you mentioned is the MLS, the next safety and well being policy, and MLS Next just came in recently. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, is the new name
1: for it, but yeah, like
2: they're, they're, they're saying they brought in policies after 2011. but do we really know that they brought in policies at that time? Because they um, that's just, like I said, that's the, what they're narrating, the people they, they interviewed. Uh,
1: final thing then from, from this report, uh, the, the recommendations that based on its current policies and procedures, we have limited recommendations for the Whitecaps, but we do see a number of opportunities to enhance and strengthen their efforts. And they break it down into compliance with Canadian law to confidential reporting lines, which is something that's getting introduced throughout sport in North America now, which is long overdue. Players' handbooks provision regarding electronic devices, vetting and reference checks, which we do know from some other hires has maybe not been as robust in the the last few years. Yeah, Safe example- sport, of course, has come into things now as well.
2: I can't believe they take the players like the the players like like cell phones away from them at the end of the day. That seems odd to me. This it is require oh, you, youth at, academy. The,
1: yeah, youth academy. The, I, I thought you meant the first thing yeah. there, but no, 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 the, no yeah, the, no. Yeah, the, yeah, the youth, youth academy yeah. has
2: to give up all their electronic devices to the uh, assistant coach at curfew. Oh, well, that makes sense. I don't know if the But that makes the
1: report sense. says we believe there may be a safety risk in players yeah. being without any of the devices while traveling, especially younger players because i mean obviously with mental health a player that's away from home could be lonely and just is having a moment that they need to speak to somebody or they need to speak to a family person so taking the devices away is not ideal mm. i understand why they're doing it but, but they do but encourage should... the whitecaps to consider whether it's necessary to keep that yeah but
2: the thing is is like when you if a player is going to be on their phone all night long and they're not getting rest and then they have a poor performance that that's gonna you take him off the, Oh yeah, off the I, I see I see both that, sides.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean I, I, just, I totally see both sides of that. I just personally like if my kid was on a trip, I don't want anybody taking his phone away. I want him oh. having access to his phone Especially if you're in
1: another country or something yeah. as well. So the the final two paragraphs of the report says since two thousand and eight, the white cats have developed increasingly more robust measures to address harassment, discrimination, and safe sport issues. They currently have strong measures in place to ensure a safe environment in the form of well-developed policies and procedures, robust training and vetting practices for coaches. We hope this review provides some closure to the players affected by the allegations and provides additional ways in which the Whitecaps can continue to provide a safe environment for its players and employees. So, in short, they're saying there was no cover-up. But Kira and a few others feel that this is just a whitewash. Any final thoughts on, on that? Well, they, if they if they want to say
2: there was no cover-up, that's fine. But there was definitely a lot of sweeping under the rug and trying to put, like, a cloak invisibility on top of all these things.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know if I use any of those that, that language. But, yeah, it was definitely... Uh, I, I don't think... I think the, the part of the report talks about they didn't act in the best interest of the players... Is probably the the most significant, and to me, like I said already, this report is incomplete. Uh, therefore, its conclusions are incomplete without um, greater voice from from those players. Um, and I, I, like I said before, I don't think the executives from that from the time who are involved uh, really um, should be involved with the club anymore. And I, and I think well,
1: well, that's that was what I was going to say as well. Like people wanted heads to roll. And this report, like when I was told roughly what the report's findings were last week, and Zach, you and me had a discussion before Mm -hmm. we recorded last week about this. I was told, report's been done, they found that mistakes were made, nothing was covered up, and basically those in charge would be free to return to their jobs. Now, that obviously won't sit comfortably with a number of people, but I'm playing devil's advocate here. Before people yell at how of they're listening to to this podcast, if you haven't been found guilty of something, why would you then walk away?
0: But this isn't a, this is a found guilty. This is about how did you handle something? Uh, it,
2: it's, uh, for it's, me, but it's, they're
1: just but they're just saying mistakes were made. Not they're not okay, saying so, oh, that person should so, lose their job over this.
2: No. So for me again, I'm. I, I come back to this term again because it has other leagues, and especially when it's dealing with young players, institutional control. When you're, even if you're not directly involved in these kind of things, if you don't have it happening, and in, and in this case, maybe you get away with it if it's just two thousand eight. But the fact that it happened more multiple times, it, institutional control is a big thing. Those people that were part of in in control of that. Should not be allowed, like be left, let off scot free. I'm not saying like fine them, put them in jail and stuff like that, but they just should not be working with that uh, that 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 club or that franchise, whatever you want to call it, institution.
0: Yeah, I I I agree with Steve. I don't I don't the the mistake. I think the mistakes Michael that were made are mistakes that result in people not, not no longer being in those positions. I think the rehiring of and Chopper is a part of that. I also think one of the things that we don't have an answer to, because it's not a, a part of, maybe necessarily part of the purview of this report, but like, I still think, I mean, it was sort of touched on, but to me, I, I still want to know, like did did Bobby Leonarduzzi break the trust of his players when they went to him in confidence about their concerns and then the next thing he did was break that confidence when they, you know, go, go to the coach. Yeah. yeah, and so and that to me again ties in with what was said in the report that they did not put the best interest of the players uh, above themselves, above the club, and above the coach. Um, and so that to me uh, is is one of the reasons why I feel the way I feel. Like
2: and I'll use an example when I'm talking about institutional control. Um, in college you know, sports, there was never, you weren't allowed to, like, pay players. But that was always happening. And it was proven time and time again that the higher-ups in that college never knew that was happening because it was always, like, you know, alma mater that was, like, the the old, you know, people that used to go to that college, they used to pay it under the table. The people that charged the, uh, you know, ADs or the head coaches didn't know about it. But whenever any kind of thing like that happened, they're the ones that took the fall. Because they were the ones in charge of that organization
0: well just one last thing i want to say michael i think that uh i've already seen some people discuss on social media places so i think some people are like okay let's move on now they can come the people the executives who want to come back and come back and whatever because of this report i've seen more people um probably say the opposite that th- these executives need to be no longer at the club aside from obviously Rachel Lewis has already moved on to other things the, the other ones need to no longer be at the club what i would say is that whether people express that strongly in the form of you know walkouts or public expressions or simply just not buying tickets i think it this actually hurts the white caps or it hurts the white caps to not or to to sorry, to still have those people at the club i think you you they're going to keep people away who have already left and i don't think it I don't think it uh, really helps bring in new people. I think if if they do separate themselves from from these individuals, I think it does help them have a fresh start, a clean slate and move forward and bring back some old people and probably re-engage some new people.
1: What I would say is I I just... What happened back then was obviously wrong. It was horrible. The club let the women down. Axel's statement said, "We, we let the players down and we are sorry for that. But ultimately you, you have to move on and you've got to draw a line in the sand and then you've got to move forward and the club have put a lot of good things in place and I, I've seen mixed responses to this where folks say Let, let's just move on now and other folk as you say Zach are wanting like people to, to not have any involvement with the club I, I, I don't know what happens after this but My personal feeling is we just need to move on now. And if the current procedures that are in place are robust enough so that this never happens again, then that's just good for everyone involved. If the players still don't feel that they've had proper closure and that they've still got a fight to have and more things to come out, then more power to them. And I hope they proceed with that and get what they want. We just, we don't know if that is the case because we're just not hearing from them. We're just hearing from from Kyra right now. And you don't know if the other ones will say that. Once Berardi gets sentenced next month, I I don't know if that will give people closure as well. But it is something that at some point people do move on from and need to move on from. And I know it's not easy. And I'm not saying that the club are perfect now, but they're definitely much better than they were.
2: Uh, and for me the for the players i feel like they've been vindicated with the court case yes. i think that's basically the, the and if i i totally have like if they want to uh, if they still have a hard feelings against the white caps especially if these people that were in charge were our back then i t- totally support them but i i feel that it's it, it seemed like at that time when the you know the verdict came in or whatever it was the agreement came in i feel like they were vindicated at that point and they, a lot of pressure was taken off their shoulders so i think uh, I, I have a feeling that this is fresh right now this investigation so they definitely want to talk about it right now but eventually i feel like and i'm i don't want to speak for them but i feel like that they're in a position where they might want to move on to and not have to deal with the white caps anymore yeah and i don't blame them for that at all oh no absolutely yeah yeah
1: so let us know your thoughts as well, if you want, uh, on the reports. As we said, it's well worth reading the CSA report, pages 75 to 92 in particular. Mm-hmm. And the differences in the size of the reports is very, very telling uh, as well, especially how long this one took to produce an 18 page report. But that's a whole other issue. But let us know, AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com, you can get in touch. We will move on from this now, and we'll end this episode with this week's wavelength, and we'll we'll end with a, a little bit more of a upbeat and and fun aspect. This is a song from 2014 by Irish band Kesko, and it's a song about the player Ali Dia. I don't know how familiar you guys are with Ali Dia. Heard of the name before? Zach shaking his head. So basically. Ali Dia, this this was big news, particularly in the UK. I don't know how much it made worldwide, but Ali Dia was a Senegalese footballer who convinced Graham Sunnis, who was the manager of Southampton at the time in 1996, that he was the cousin of George Weah. And people called pretending to be George Weah and pretending to be someone else as well to vouch that he was this player. And he was said to have been playing with Paris Saint-Germain and to have made 13 appearances for the Senegal national team. Now, you've got to remember, in 96, this was pre-internet for the majority of it, so you couldn't just go on Wikipedia and do a quick search on the guy. So, Graham Souness gave him a one-month deal and Ali Dia basically made one sub-appearance and was very quickly subbed off when it was discovered that he was not a Premier League player and was not much of a football player at all. And he was then released 14 days into his contract. He'd been playing with non-league club Blythe Spartans and made the jump from them to the Premier League and then immediately went back to to play non-league football. So basically, it was one of the best, best con jobs ever. He claims he was innocent and that he had nothing to do with it. But this is a song from Kesko about it. It's called The Ballad of Ali Dia. You can find it on their 2014 album World of Football. Have a listen. To recommend me, would I not be happy? If David Ginnell rang to second George Ware's words, would I not be happy? And if the legendary Graham sooner sassed me to the club, would I refuse? From Blythe Spartans reserves to the Premier League, would I refuse? They say Ali Daya
0: is a liar, is a liar Ali Daya
1: is a liar, is a liar Ali Daya is a liar, is a liar Ali
0: Daya, pants on fire If a man called my office and said he was George Weyer Would I not believe him?
1: A general call to confirm George Ware's words, would I not trust him? If they told me they'd found a Liberian prodigy, would I not sign him? If that prodigy turned up on a Friday morning, should I not play him? Still they say, Ali he's a liar, he's a liar, Ali he's a liar, he's a liar tay no liar no liar Ali no liar Keshko there with a wonderful tale, the ballad of Ali Dia. Check it out on on Wikipedia, Google it. It's an absolutely fantastic story. How any football manager can be duped, but as I say, it was primarily pre-internet days, so it's it's easy for that to happen. I guess when you look at it that way.
2: Well, but I, 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 it's not the same level, uh, but <laughs> it was kind of similar. Um, the that player called. Uh- I don't, baby, or something like that. That was homeless oh, or something. I want yes, and then Man Manchester United. and United paid like after he had signed with a Portuguese team and was there for like a couple of weeks. Man United played like seven million pound for him or eight million or whatever it was. And I think he only played two games for Man United because he was on loan for four years with other clubs. I think he still plays to this day. I think he's still with somebody, Uh, but it's a, it's and it's not the same thing, but. I, I believe. Yeah, he, well, you know, this Aldeia
1: guy had had a career in lower league France. So, I mean, he right. he, was, he was an actual footballer. He he could play football. Right, right. And he had trials with a couple of other English teams. And like Harry Redknapp was offered him, and he thought it was a hoax right away off the bat yes. and didn't fall for it. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But that is it for this episode of the show. Just before we go, first of all, it was great to have you back on the show, Steve. Hopefully future episodes will be a bit more lightweight topics than what we had to deal with in this part here. But where can folk find you online in case they've forgotten and anything you've learned this week or any fun things you want to leave us with?
2: Um, you can find me on Whitecaps Beat on Twitter. And uh, uh, just my hope is that maybe Jake skips listening to this episode.
1: Zach, any uh, final thoughts from you?
0: You can find me online on Twitter, at Zacharyam. And yeah, I'm just, it was great to have Steve back. It was good to hang out because even before, it's been a long time since we've been like this. It feels like, or it's been only like, this is the tw- second time this summer because we've all been uh, no, all uh, busy and stuff. But yeah, no, it was good to, it's good to have you back. And uh, yeah.
1: I'm Michael McCall. i um, You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, read our stuff, AFTN.ca. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that. Of course, give us a like, subscribe, turn notifications on YouTube. We're going to be working on some new YouTube stuff over the coming months. I will be going away for the next two weeks. I've got to go back to Scotland to deal with some family stuff. So I don't know what our shows are going to be like. Still in two minds whether I'm bringing my big microphone with me to enable us to do some shows, but the time difference as well is a giant pain. So I might maybe do some interviews over there or we'll see what we, we can get done. But we, I'm gonna be coming home with some stuff that should make for some interesting YouTube videos that we've got planned for later this year into next year. And I'm gonna leave you with a, a fun discovery that I've made that East Fife can only beat teams that start with a vowel. (laughs) They won their first game of the season against Elgin City. Then they lost to Bonnie Rig Rose, but they won today against Albion Rovers. So at least they're guaranteed a few points for this season. It's not sustainable. We can say that about a few things. That is it for this episode. We will be back at some point. Just check your podcast feeds. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks to the guys for joining me, as always, and giving up their Saturday night.